2: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Welcome to the Hollywood Casino Press Box with your hosts, Frank Cusimano and Bob Ramsey. It's the king! The best guests, the best insights. Pujols in. It's deep to left. Taylor's back at the wall. It's 700. Albert Pujols has joined the 700 Home Run Club. All backed by over 40 combined years of covering the biggest events in St. Louis sports. Cairo and Thomas. Here they come. Cairo to Thomas. He scores! That's all, folks! Blues win! Now, here are Frank Cusimano
0: and Bob Ramsey
1: on 590 The Fan, KFNS, and
0: 590TheFan.com. Good morning and welcome. Hollywood Casino Press Box, all new Five Night of the Fan. Frank Husamano with you until 12 o'clock. Got a good one lined up today. Reggie Blackwell is going to pop in studio, 1040. Some hardcore college football conversation. He'll be insufferable today, though. Kansas State won last week. They're 25th in the country. They got Texas. He'll be uh, gloating about his Wildcats, but we love his football insight. Then at 11 o'clock... We will have our Friday Smooth. Howard is actually traveling today, but we'll have Craig Riggins and uh, BK from Channel 4 is going to pop in. We're excited about that. But on Fridays at 10 o'clock, we always begin with Mike Claiborne from the Cardinals Broadcast Network and also from Claibs Online. Mike, good to be with you. How are you, sir?
2: I am doing extremely well. I'm looking forward to the weekend. We have some some big games in various sports. Uh, our local teams have some things on the line. And uh, uh, Dallas and the Philadelphia Eagles will be playing. And you know, So it's a, it's a good time to be a sports fan.
0: Oh, my gosh, yeah. I mean, I wasn't going to lead with the NFL. But if you talk about matchups this weekend at the quarterback position in the NFL, oh, my, it can't get any better. If it begins with Miami and Kansas City at 8.30 a.m., Tua, and, and Patrick Mahomes to begin your NFL Sunday. That's pretty good. And then we go to Dak and Jalen Hurts at 325. And then, I don't know if it could get any better than this, but the battle for the second-best quarterback in the world, Joe Burrow and Josh Allen, at 720 on Channel 5 Sunday night. What a matchup for quarterbacks.
2: Second-best quarterback in the world, huh? That's interesting. Well, Between... who would you—I
0: well, think it's those you know
2: two— I'm gonna I tell you, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a guy, and because he hadn't done much wrong, and I don't. Where's Jalen Hurts in that conversation?
0: If I had to have a guy for the next five years, I well, would no, take we're talking about. We talked about this weekend. I'm tell
2: not you, about five years from
0: now. The I'm Joe right Burrow now. that I saw last week was the guy that I thought was the second best quarterback in the league going into the season, and he's back being that, even though for five weeks. He was battling injury and just wasn't the same. I think I think Joe Burrow, and I think you would agree with me, has more talent than Jalen Hurts. And Hurts' worst-case scenario is the fourth-best quarterback in the world, and he may be third ahead of Josh Allen. And then we have, oh, oh by the way, Justin Herbert. There's your top five right there, I think.
2: I'm going to disagree with you. I, I don't see where Hurts has done anything wrong. Uh, he wins with both his arms, his legs, and his leadership. And he's on one of the best
0: teams in the league.
2: Well And and he's been a winning player everywhere he's ever
0: been, starting from JFL. He's awfully good, no doubt about it. All right, so, so I guess this falls
2: in the category of Bird and Irving with you and me, huh?
0: Yeah, and I'm right on both. <laughs> (laughs) 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 all right we got a lot to talk about too in terms of real sadness in the sports world and the broadcasting world we begin with bob knight I, i i'm sure you've heard the clip but the bench being the motivator here's bobby knight
2: you can talk about all the motivational speeches and phrases and devices in the world but the greatest motivator of all is your ass on the bench there is no better motivator Ass meets bench, bench retains ass. <laughs> ass transmits signal to brain, brain transmits signal to body, body gets ass off bench and plays better. I mean, it's a hell of a sequence of things that takes place. Well, it might be for you guys. <laughs> your takeaway, you know what? I'm gonna tell you something, Frank. That that's the only thing that's left that coaches have for motivation. And, and the reason why I say that is when you and I and many of our listeners played at different levels, the way a coach could get your attention, he run you, line, line them up. We're gonna have a practice without a ball today, and you just go from line to line, or you know, there was always some sort of you know some sort of drill, or you would just run. Now players, oh, my legs, I don't have any legs anymore. I'm, I'm just, I can't do that. So the only way you can get a guy's attention is to bench him. Now, you know, you, you, you run the risk of losing your best player, but that, if that's what's going to make him better, then you have to do it. And, you know, Coach Knight, uh, an interesting guy for a whole lot of reasons, and, and I, I got to know him reasonably well over the years. And uh, I, I knew his health wasn't very good. But, uh, what an impact he's had on, on sports, not just basketball. Uh, I, I think he's one of the first coaches, in my opinion, who really took academics seriously for his players. You know, none of the basket weaving courses, none of the things just to get you by. I mean, he, hey, if you didn't have a degree out of Indiana up playing for him, uh, then there was something wrong with you. And he was so hell bent on that that he was one of the first guys that was really outspoken about making sure athletes got a legitimate education.
0: Yeah. Um, and then if you – there are two, two questions, um, and I'd answer them this way. Like, one coach to win one game to save the world from communism, I would take him over Patino. i take him over John Wooden. I would take him. But here's the question I want to ask you. You have an 18-year-old kid who's a sharpshooting 6'5", uh, two-guard, and he's being recruited by Bob Knight, but there's, he's being recruited by everybody. I would not want my son to go through that four years because there's other guys who can give you that discipline and can make sure you graduate, and you won't have the psychotic angle which some Indiana athletes had to endure. If yeah. your son had options, Mike, what would you do? Yeah, you know,
2: That's a great question because he was the first guy – who who created that that environment where it was hostile, and everybody couldn't play for him. Well, case in point, Larry Bird couldn't play for him. Uh, there's some a, a lot of play. I think Bob Knight did the most with the least talent. When you look at all the co- players he's coached over the course of his career, uh, you know he coached just a lot of guys who wanted to be coached and wanted to play, and maybe not the most skilled player.
0: Shot at Joey but, yeah, Hillman I, and Steve I, Alford. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, but you you look
2: back, yeah. and you know, Isaiah probably was his best player. I think his
0: only Hall of Famer. Yep.
2: You may be right. I can't think of anyone off the top of my head, but he made those guys into complete basketball players, and, and in a lot of cases, complete people. Uh, but yeah, you know what? I think in today's world, there are other coaches who can probably do the same thing. There's not as many as you think, though. Uh, But, you know, I I felt like at one point he was a guy that you drop your kid off with him and four years later you have a uh, full-grown adult who happened to play basketball.
0: Yeah, that's a great point.
2: With with, with all the things and the shenanigans that came with it, um, you you say to yourself, okay, what's enough? But I, I think that Bob Knight picked certain people to use as examples to motivate other people. I don't think everybody went through that that terror or that horrifying moment with him. But I think he would send a message to other players through certain individuals. And, you know, some of those guys paid a severe price for it. But I think most of them, I say most of them, came away with a pretty good uh, spirit and a good way of life.
0: Yeah, and you know you talk about like the lack of truly great players. Now, like we we thought they were gods in college, but look, the last undefeated team in the history of college basketball, seventy six Hoosiers. Quinn Buckner, solid NBA career, not spectacular. Bobby Wilkerson, solid NBA career, not spectacular. Not spectacular. Scott May, solid. Kent Benson, probably below average. And then the uh, ten, well, you know and Abernathy the had a cup of coffee. What's that? Yeah. I said Kent Benson,
2: we know he can take a punch. <laughs> he he, <laughs> he broke, had it coming. He broke, Kareem's, he broke Kareem's hand with his head. So, I mean, uh, but yeah, you're right. And, but you know what, though, Frank? All those guys were very well-rounded players. They got all guard. They all were fundamentally sound. And, and you know what? They beat teams because of their fundamentals and defense. You know, for people who never saw that that team play, I thought
0: the '75 team was better than the '76 team. Well, Knight contends that too, yeah. And by the way, on the defense, you bring up an unbelievable point because with Quinn Buckner and Bobby Wilkerson, that may have been the best duo uh, as a defensive group, maybe in the history of college basketball. Because yeah, Wilkerson, yeah. nobody was a six-six guard back then, and he shut everybody yeah. down. And Buckner, oh my gosh, all Big and Ten defensive long- back. Yeah,
2: uh, yeah, right. Yeah, Quinn Buckner was a two-sport player at the time, and uh, you know, he—if he, you were six-two and under, you were going to have a problem. And Wilkerson took care of everything else because he was long and very athletic. Uh, and and you know what? They could shoot the ball; they just didn't have to. <sighs>
0: Yeah, so that team was 32-0. and 0. The team before, as you mentioned, which Knight thought was better, I think only lost one game. But they did, yeah. when he did start to lose a little bit later in his career, when he wasn't invincible because the, the game, the, so many athletes, everybody had players, this is how he sometimes responded after losses. You
1: want to that I'm getting the fuck out of here. I mean, if you're not going to recover Greg Graham, if you're just going to let him drive by you, if the rest of you are going to let him catch the ball outside the three-second lane and drive all the way in here without one guy challenging him, then I'm leaving and you f***ing guys will run until you can't even suffer. Now, I'm tired of this shit. I'm sick and f***ing tired of an 8-10 record. I'm tired of losing this to-
0: Rough. I sound like a girl I used to date. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I, I saw him, I remember after Mizzou beat him, I believe I remember this correctly, in the NCAA tournament, he just went off on some NCAA rep who was in charge of the yeah, podium interviews. Yeah. You know, the, the, the strangling of Neil Reed, which he denied, mm-hmm. and the video came out on CNN. There was a lot of sides to him. Yeah, but you know what? There's a lot of other
2: stories about him on the other side of that fence. Um, I I got to know him, gosh, you you, you remember one of our good friends, Jim Russo, uh, Super Scout. Yep. So every, you know, because that's when they used to play. Remember, they used to play on CBS virtually every Sunday. So Jim Russo and I would drive over every Sunday or I'd go over with Ed Hightower uh, because he was normally doing the game. And I remember one time Jim said, now, when we get over here, there's this one thing you can't talk about with him. And I said, what's that? He said, don't bring up the book. He, he despised John Feinstein for writing that book because of the language it was in, yeah,
0: it. like real quick, I want you to complete this story, but like John Feinstein's not supposed to include cursing in a book about Bob Knight. <laughs> right. come on you know if, if that's the case, you might
2: as well just make it a three page book, yeah, <laughs> because I don 't know how you're going to exclude it, but uh so Jim and I would go over there all the time. Rammer used to go with us. Tracy Lovaz used to go with us, and we'd go over nothing but gracious. Just a delightful person to be around. So then fast forward, he comes into St. Louis. He's recruiting Jihadi White. Get to talk to him, hang out with him then. And then the the Tony LaRusso relationship. I remember one night it was going to be the, the ultimate foursome. Tony, Mike Shannon, Bob Knight, myself, and Bob Gibson. And Gibson couldn't make it at the last minute. Can you imagine those two sitting at the same table?
0: Wow um in fact our buddy Ed Curtis texted he said um the dinner that they set up oh wait a minute what I got hit right here it was it was McGuire Parcells, I think Belichick, yeah and Tony which oh my well, gosh yeah so bill as you know he
2: comes all he comes with a lot of cardinal games in spring training and so he sits in one of the Booth right next to our broadcast booth, and he and I would sit there, and he'd talk about his days. He when he and Knight were at army together, and just it was it was fascinating stories about how Knight saw things that other people didn't see when it came to coaching and motivating people. And you know what? Here's one thing that people don't talk about. You know, he was a pretty good player himself.
0: Well, he was on Ohio really State. good teams. Yeah, he was. On yeah, those- he
2: was on a good team. Now, I'm not saying he was an All American, but you know what? Bob Knight coached players like Bob Knight. Just enough skill and desire to be better. All they needed to be coached up a little bit. And, and Branch McCracken was a pretty good coach at the time that got those guys to a national championship. But uh, he was he he was an interesting person. There's, there's no doubt. And everybody has a different opinion about him. I, I'll say that. I know people who despise him, and I know people who just think the guy walked on on water. You know, I'm probably more of a guy who admired what he meant to the game and what he meant to people, but I knew there was another side to him. But I, I think that there were a lot of good things, a lot more good positive traits about him than anything else.
0: And would you argue with my premise, one guy to win one game oh, in no basketball doubt. history? No doubt. yeah All no right. doubt. And uh, you know what? And, and he could take lesser players as far as skill is concerned
2: and still make it very interesting for you. You know, I always remember that Olympic team that he had which was as good of a team. This was pre dream team. Uh as good of a team as we'll ever see in eighty four in the Olympics in LA. Um uh, and you know, it doesn't hurt to have Jordan on that team. Yeah. But you know He, he cut Barkley best players. Yeah, he cut Charles Barkley. You're right. He cut Charles Barkley. I mean and uh he, he was a fascinating person, man. But he knew the game. But he knew baseball, too. He was a huge baseball fan.
0: All right. We lost a real legend in St. Louis broadcasting. Don Johnson passes the way passes away this morning uh, at the age of 76. Uh, been in this studio mm-hmm. quite a bit over the last year. Legendary sports a newscaster at Fox 2 and also Spirits of St. Louis in the early years with Bob Costas.
2: Well, you know, uh, one of my favorite pictures... I guess it was last year. Don Johnson, Bob Costas, Julius Hunter, myself, we all went to dinner. Bill Bill McDermott was with us. and We all went to dinner, and just just to hear Don talk, I mean, maybe one of the most positive people you'll ever be around. Uh, Paid attention to everything around him. Uh, Maybe as versatile of a broadcaster as we've ever had in St. Louis. Don Johnson could do the, the spirits of St. Louis. He could do the weather. He could do the news. He could do anything when it came to broadcasting, and he did it in such an eloquent manner. But he was an incredible mentor to me uh, when I first got in the business. Uh, he was very approachable, uh, just one of the most kindest people you'll ever be around. And, and I know I speak on behalf of a lot of people who had the experience of being around. We we will miss him because mm-hmm. he was still that guy who stood back, and he'd give you a call, hey, man, what do you think about this? Or, I'm not sure about that, so enlighten me. Uh, huge sports fan, but just a, a, a wonderful human being.
0: All right, let's move to hockey. Blues have a tough task tonight facing New Jersey, who's off to a a real good start. And Mike, these numbers with the Blues are just absolutely amazing. Through eight games, they have 14 goals. That excludes the shootouts. You have to go back to 77-78 through eight games when they had fewer goals, 12. And then the power play, which is now one for 25. It's been 50 years since the Blues have scored just one power play goal in their opening eight games when do we say when do we stop saying well it's early i think you have to give
2: it a little bit more time but you know you have to think about this frank this is the same team we saw last year okay uh there there hasn't been much of a change starting with the blue line and they're they're just the the team is lacking certain things they have very little toughness very few guys go in the dirty areas of the ice in order to try and score a goal. Um, the, the body checking is almost extinct. Uh, there, there are just so many things wrong with this team that you think it can turn around, but I don't know how because we have the same players. And, you know, Craig Ruby's done everything he can do. I mean, this is a player commitment. This is not a coaching strategy issue. This isn't what well, we need to do this more we need to do this, this less. This is about a player commitment, and there just isn't enough fire. Uh, I don't think this, as I said, I don't think this team is tough at all. The only time this team is tough is when you have Shen and Bertuzzo in the lineup. There's not another guy on this team that even looks like he wants to play the body. There's not another guy on this team who even thinks about dropping his gloves. And I know fighting is down in the league, but every now and then you need to fire these guys up. I mean, there was a time when you would throw a guy out there just to get everybody else worked up. You know, and I think the best example when the blues played in Calgary, probably their best game of the year, who who dropped his gloves for
0: yeah, um it's also too, about ingredients. I don't know if I've ever told you this analogy. is it one time I called my brother Mark. He's, uh, I'm in Lexington, Kentucky. He's here. And I said, Mark, give me the exact recipe for spaghetti carbonara. And my, my grandma got on the phone, too. I got everything there. And I went to a Kroger in Lexington, Kentucky to get the ingredients. Cooked the pasta. It was really average. And they said, well, Frank, the difference is we're getting our stuff from Italy. You're getting yours from a Kroger. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I try to compare this Wait to the blue. Wait door for Bettendorf Raps wasn't open? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, you compare it to, like, this is Craig Barubi, the same guy who engineered a Stanley Cup run. The ingredients are not there. And, you know, eventually he'll probably have to pay the price for it. But it's not because he's dumber. Not at all.
2: It would be an injustice if he paid a price. You know, but we, let's face it. We've seen the Blues as an organization do this before: let go a good guy, only to watch him go skate around with the cup and some with somebody else's team. Not saying that we're at that point yet, because I think any common sense hockey fan can tell you this isn't a coaching issue. This is a talent issue. This is a, a desire issue. Um, and I know that guys. Well, they say that all the media speak well. The guys are working hard. Well, you're not working hard enough. You're not working hard enough on the right things. And there's got to be more of a commitment. And, okay, so you know what? You're going to have to get a little dirty from time to time. You're going to have to go into areas and pay a price, maybe even hit somebody or or be prepared to be hit. And I'm not saying you have to put a guy in the fifth row, but you have to establish your your turf. And and the Blues don't do that, or at least they don't do it with any consistency. And, you know, somebody's going to have to step up and be different than what we're seeing. And, you know, you mentioned we talked about Bob Knight. You know, Craig Berube sending a message to a couple of players who he didn't dress. And, you know, players acknowledge, yeah, okay, I have to be better. Well, yeah, you have to be better, but it should be contagious. Everybody should look at themselves and say, I, I have to be better. Not do more, just do your job. And if they start with that, then there's a chance they can be better. I just don't know if we have enough, as you mentioned, ingredients to make that happen.
0: All right, Um We've been talking about this all week. Howard at first disagreed, but I think he's with me now, that if Mizzou were to pull this off on Saturday, it would be their greatest athletic achievement ever. And I know there have been some fine victories, but they didn't, they've didn't. they never beaten a number 1 who had a 25-game win streak coming off back-to-back national championships. So um, I thought Eli Drinkwitz had a great line. We, uh, he said, the one area that Georgia struggles with is red zone defense. And then he says, but you know why? Because nobody they gets down do in enough. the red zone. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> but it is rare, Mike, in that a Georgia-Mizzou matchup, and you could make a legitimate case, at least statistically, Mizzou has the better quarterback the better wide receiver and the better running back what do you think about saturday between the hedges well i'm looking forward
2: to it that's first off before i go any further we're talking about missouri let me congratulate phil bradley who received the kurt flood award last night from the players association it's one of the most prestigious awards major league Baseball's players association can hand out and for phil bradley who in my opinion best quarterback ever to play at Missouri and I know I can get a dis, uh, disagreement from those who never saw him play yeah uh, so I want to congratulate him because that that's a really high honor. yeah tell our listeners course.
0: what that award like entails uh, why, what, what, what's well, the story here it's, it's his
2: contribution so Phil after he retired you know he did some things but he's been involved with the Players Association on, on virtually every level. And for them to recognize him for his involvement with the Players Association, from being a liaison to being an overseer to being a contributor and a mentor and all the things that come with it, uh, this is a this is a big deal. I mean, th- this this award named after Kurt Flood, and let's face it, if it wasn't for Kurt Flood, we wouldn't have baseball in the manner that we have it. Uh, it it's a high honor. It, it's true. It truly is. I, I talked to him last night about it. And it you know, Phil, he's, he's a humble guy. He, he has an opinion about everything. Uh, but he, I think he was really taken by the, the, uh, the honor. All so getting right, get back to your point. To the game. Um, the game itself, I saw Florida do some things to uh, Georgia early in the game that I'm saying to myself, this is right up Mizzou's alley offensively. I mean, they were hitting them with slants across the middle. They were doing some things early. They just got worn down because their, line, their offensive line just couldn't handle the pressure. I think the key, obviously, is going to be what Missouri's offensive line can do. Uh, You know, if they give Cook time to do some things and establish a running game, then they're going to make this a very interesting afternoon in Athens. Uh, But here's what I will also say to everyone. This is one game on the schedule. There's a lot of games still in store. and If Missouri goes there and wins, guess what? They have to play next week and the week after and the week after. You can't put all your eggs in the Georgia basket. Because we've seen this happen before where a team would go out and have this huge win and then go out and stub their toe the next week and never find their bearings anymore. And all of a sudden you say, yeah, we beat Georgia. Yeah, but all of a sudden you lost four games. Yeah. You know, so you have to be careful in not being overhyped. But I think that Missouri is as prepared from a talent standpoint as they've ever been to take on a team like Georgia. I mean, you know, they've had better teams. You know, you think about some of the Pinkle teams and some of the teams that they took on. But I think from a preparation standpoint, from what we've seen so far this year, uh, this is as good of a coaching staff job as we've seen because they've eliminated a lot of early mistakes. They've uh, really enhanced their whole aspect of special teams, defense, and now they've established a legitimate running game that certainly they're going to need on Saturday. But overall, I think this is a game that we should be able to sit on the edge of our seats. And if they can do something early to establish themselves and not get caught in that first few minutes of the second half, they got a real good chance to beat Georgia. Yeah, I think you but, hit but on But Georgia the... might have something to prove here, too, because they got moved back to second place for yeah. no reason. So I think they you... may come out and try and run up the score if they can. And I think this is something we need to be careful of with all these schools now. I think we're going to go back to seeing teams trying to run up the score just to get the voters' eyes. I don't agree with that, but I'm telling you, Frank, these teams now know, all right, if you want me to be noticed, I'm going to try and pin 50 on you.
0: Yeah, the key word you mentioned, though, about a minute ago was early. They have to withstand the ninety-five thousand and all the history and all the greatness of Georgia early, and just just make sure you're in the game after quarter one. It's almost like Mike. You remember this when you were single. You are a single man. You'd walk into a a, an area where there'd be a beautiful girl. You got to establish it early because if you blow it in that first minute, you got no chance with that gorgeous girl at the party or the restaurant. You got to establish it early because there's a chance you can get blown out of this thing. But, man, if Frank, you're still in there,
2: you got it. I'm, gl- I'm glad you brought – that's what I've been missing all these years when I go into a place. Obviously, he's <laughs> not saying the right thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah, you, you're right. But here's, here's the thing I would say. I would tell the players, hey, listen, there's 95,000 people watching us, and guess what? Not one of them can come on the field and help, help, us, help Georgia beat us. Let's just worry about these 11 guys across the line of scrimmage. And j- let's try and beat those 11 – and we will worry about the ninety-five thousand later. I think you just got to keep it simple, not get caught up. You can't get too often. And the, the obvious things are: you can't go three and out. You can't take a bad penalty, and you, you have to re- remain calm and patient. You know, those are the obvious things you have to do. Yep. Uh And you know, if you do, if you start with those basics, I mean, you got a shot. You have a real shot.
0: All right, City SC's got a shot. They're going to have to win in Kansas City at 4 o'clock. You'd hate to have, you know, this glorious season end as the one seed losing to an eight seed. I got a feeling they're going to come out and play a great game. We're going to have a soccer game here for the following Sunday. But another must-see appointment game at 4 o'clock on Sunday. Uh,
2: I would agree. And you know what? I think, uh, as Bradley Carnell said, hey, you know what? We got kind of hit in the face. Now we've got to hit back because I think the strategy that Kansas City used, St. Louis never saw coming. And then once they really had a stranglehold on it, St. Louis didn't have a plan B. I'm sure this week in practice they, they have addressed those issues. And you know what? They kind of remind you of, of what the Blues are going through. You've got to be a little tougher inside. You, you have to be a little bit more physical. You have to be able to be more assertive and play your game and not fall into the hands of what they're trying to dictate to you.
0: All right. A uh, couple of NBA thoughts. Number one, Victor Webinyama. Last night, 38 points, 10 rebounds. He goes 15 to 26. Usually when you say he when, – when the statement is made, and it's been made quite a few times, that he's the best prospect coming in the league in history. And you certainly make case for the most hyped because of the avalanche of all these broadcast outlets. But, Mike, this is not, not going to be a fluke. This guy is – him knocking down threes, you just sometimes forget he's 7'5". Yeah, I'm going to disagree
2: with the, the notion that he's the most impactful player coming in the league. I think the most impactful player ever to come in this league was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, because we'd never seen anyone who had such a, a, a repertoire of, of skill. You know, the skyhook was something we'd never seen before. He could play both ends of the floor. He could handle the ball. He could do a lot of things. And everywhere he went, he carried a team. Wimanyama has a lot of those those tools. I think the fact he's younger than Kareem was, and Kareem was maybe a little bit more refined, Wimanyama certainly has the ability to to have that title at some point. Uh, he's with the right coach. Uh, and, it, and I don't think it hurts to have a guy like David Robinson in the vicinity. Uh, Tim Duncan is not as involved with the organization as he once was. But it's my understanding that he also reached out to make sure that women Yama could could have somebody to talk to, um, you know. So I, I think he he's surrounded with all the right tools to make himself uh, that that generational player.
0: All right, the I, other I enjoy watching the guy play, man. I mean, he, he's oh my fun God. to watch. Yeah, he's awesome. I mean,
2: you know, just, it's not just the threes. I mean, his ball handling skills. The, the thing he's going to have to figure out is he's so tall, his dribble is so high, he can get his pocket pick. Mm-hmm. He's gotta learn how to get out, stay out of foul trouble, but that comes with experience he's got to
0: figure out the league, and the league's trying to figure him out, but he, he, you know what? He, he's almost must-watch TV. The other guy who nobody can figure out right now is our Jason Tatum from Chaminade High School, who is on an undefeated Celtic team that has one of the best starting lineups they've had in years, and then these numbers are incredible. 30 points a game, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, but here are the big ones. 56 from the field, 40 from 3, and I don't know what the exact weight difference is. He weighs two but you can tell, and you've read articles, that he's done something to his body to make him stronger, to get on the block more, to get better shots, easier shots. he It's almost impossible to think about it, but he's taken his game to a whole new level. He's killing everybody who
2: thinks they can guard him. Um, here's my, I think, the issue that we, we deal with with him. He's had the, the, the propensity to kind of run out of gas late in the year because he does a lot. And as you mentioned, maybe he's reconfigured his body to address that. Uh, But if he can stay healthy and and they manage his minutes the right way, uh, that that Boston team, and I'm not a Celtic fan, but I certainly tip my cap to them because they look like they've gotten off to an incredible start. I'm sure they'll make a, a trade deadline deal that bolster their situation. But right now, Boston looks like they could be a very dominant team as the season goes on, thanks to not only Tatum, Because he's not even the first. He's one of the options, but they have multiple options now. I'm concerned about their bench and what they can get out of them. They need to get a little bit more out of them as the season goes on. But I'm sure they'll look around and kick the tires, and there's going to be some good player that's going to be available to them uh, down the stretch, and we'll see what kind of general manager they have uh, with Brad. All right, final thought. What's coming up on Klabe's online? Well, you know, we're winding down the baseball season in, from, a, from a playing standpoint, but the winter meetings or the general manager meetings start next week, so we'll have Bob Nightingale reporting from there. and We'll be talking to him about what's going to be happening. Uh, obviously, we have Huddle Up with Howard. Uh, we had a great visit this week with Alyssa Lang from ESPN or the SEC Network. Um, you know, the two-man game with Rammer and Matt Rocchio is about to get underway talking basketball, NBA, and college. Joe Roderick and I have our weekly chat, and we'll do it, I believe, on Tuesday this week. And we'll cover a number of things. And, of course, we have Dr. Rick with his podcast with Rammer. So we, we cover all the bases, Frank. There's not much we, we won't. And I believe Kevin Weeks is going to join us from the uh from the NHL Network and also ESPN.
0: Oh, he's awesome. Oh, wait a minute. One more. We had Benji on yesterday. Ask him about Yachty. Listen yeah. to his response. Well,
2: I, you remember when the, he retired a week later, he was managing in Venezuela. That's one thing. The next year came up the baseball closet. He was managing. That guy would not care about not sleeping. He doesn't sleep. He's a freaking bat. Doesn't freaking sleep. He's really active. His mind is going crazy about... Uh, baseball all the time all the time i do not see
0: him not doing it you know i'm gonna risk it i'm gonna risk it because i want it to i want to happen i'm gonna say yes 30 seconds your response well
2: i i agree with benji i'd like to see it happen too i think the issue that maybe maybe is what will he do from a responsibility standpoint you know being a bench coach there's a lot of things that take place well before the game so I, I don't know what that role is going to be for him, but I think having him around is certainly a great step in the right direction.
0: Mike, great to hear your voice. We'll talk soon. Thank you so much for your time, sir. All right, Frank. Uh, make sure you give everybody the information
2: about Don's uh, arrangements. because uh, I know he had a lot of people who thought a lot of him, and uh, certainly we would like to bid him a great farewell.
0: Great idea. Thank you, sir. All right. All right. We will take a short time out. We're talking hardcore college football with our man Reggie Blackwell when we come back. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com.
1: It's my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
1: Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs>